everyone and finally welcome back to Daily Kaylee season four. Although Halloween is over, I've taken a short little break to not only just have a break, but to spend time with family, spend the holidays with those that I love, and also find new content for you guys. If you're new here, I actually moved into a new house in September. I had a new baby last April, and things have been really hectic, but starting with season four this past fall, I have really wanted to get back into podcasting, and I want to pour my love into Daily Kaylee the way that I poured into it my very first season. For those of you that don't know, I don't make any money off of Daily Kaylee. This is not really a career for me. This is 100% a hobby. I love putting out content for you guys. I love researching new cases, old cases that have been forgotten. I just love connecting with you. So with that being said, if any of you have any case recommendations for the remainder of season four, please message me. If you know me personally, you can find me on Facebook and message me. If not, you can go to my Instagram page at Daily Kaylee Podcast and just send me your cases. It doesn't have to be anything crazy detailed. Just send me a link to the case and I'll look it up. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone who has been here since my very first episode, who has continued to support me for almost four years now. We are going on four years of Daily Kaylee. And if you haven't been here since the first episode, that's okay too. I'm so grateful that you choose to be here and this is how you choose to spend your 11 o'clock instead of being in bed like a sane person would be. Thank you for being here. Now that I've got the sappy part out of the way, which I usually do not put in these episodes, let's get into today's episode, which is all about Valentine's Day, my favorite holiday. We're talking about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in Chicago, Illinois in 1929. If you are updated on your gang-related crime trivia, you've probably heard about this case. If you've heard of Al Capone, you've heard of this case. It's such a famous case. And I was actually surprised to learn that more people haven't heard of it. A lot of movie scenes have been based off of this case. It's, it's iconic, truly. This case is all about the February 14th, 1929 massacre of seven known gang members in Lincoln Park, Chicago. If you have seen any Batman movie, you are well versed on, what is the word I'm looking for? Organized crime. That's what I'm looking for. You understand organized crime. It's not anything new. However, it's so iconic when you go back to cases from especially the 20s. I will say the 20s had some crazy gang related crime, crime, murders, whatever you want to say. But this case, it's just so interesting. 
let's just get into it. February 14th, 1929, around 10.30 a.m., there was a murder of seven members of a known gang in Chicago. They went by the name the Northside Gang. They were actually rivals to notorious Al Capone. Upon the morning of February 14th, seven men were murdered at a garage on North Clark Street in Lincoln Park, Chicago. They were shot by only four men, and these men were using weapons that included two Thompson submachine guns, commonly known as the Tommy gun. Famous in movies, like I said. Two of the shooters, however, were wearing police uniforms. They were posing as police officers, and that is most likely that is why this massacre was so successful, why, why they were able to get away with it and not have as much pushback from these gang members. The other two men had on business attire, we'll say. They had suits, ties, hats, you name it. It was very interesting. According to witnesses that were around the garage at the time of the murders, they saw the two men wearing the hats and the coats and ties being escorted out of the garage by two police officers, aka the gang members in disguise. They had it fully planned out start to finish. It was flawless. The victims included five members of the Northside Gang, which at this time was controlled by George Moran, who went by the name Bugs. Of these four members, we had Moran's second-in-command, which was also his brother-in-law, James Clark, Adam Hare, who was the bookkeeper and the business manager of the gang, Albert Weinshank, who managed a bunch of different businesses for Moran as a a money laundering cover, and two gang enforcers, Frank Gusenberg and Peter Gusenberg, they were brothers. Two of their associates were also shot while just happened to be in the garage. One of these men was Reinhard H. Swimmer, who was actually a former optician who turned into a heavy gambler and got involved in organized crime. He was not part of the Northside gang, but he was a known associate of this gang. The second man was John May, who was actually just a mechanic who occasionally worked for Moran's gang. When the actual Chicago police arrived at the scene, they found there was one victim that was still alive. The man that was still alive was Frank Gusenberg, and he had 14 bullet wounds to his body, and he was still alive. He was not only alive, he was coherent. On the way to the hospital, he had been stabilized in the ambulance, and the police were attempting to question him. When they were asking him who did this, Frank said, I won't talk. For God's sake, get me to a hospital. That is the last thing he said because three hours later he died from his injuries. Can you imagine the police questioning you about who shot you and you're so loyal to your gang that you won't speak about it. You won't even say that, yeah, this other gang shot me. You know, it's just something you don't see today. It's, it's iconic.
Continuing, <laughs> the motive of this massacre is, it's kind of up in the air. It's been speculated for a few different things. However, it is believed that the plan was to completely eliminate Bugs Moran, the leader of the Northside gang. This hit was absolutely put out by Al Capone. They were rival gangs at the time. It was it was kind of cut and dry. It wasn't on paper, but it was widely believed Al Capone did this. He had an alibi, coincidentally. He was at his home in Florida at the time of the murder, even though, like I said, it's widely believed he's the one who ordered this massacre to happen. It is believed that the motive behind this Aside from being rival gangs, the straw that broke the camel's back was that the Northside gang completely hijacked some really expensive whiskey that Capone was smuggling in from Canada, and they completely took over their shipment of whiskey, completely stole it, and that is what caused this massacre. At this time... Capone and Moran were both, I mean, just, what is a good expression that I'm looking for? They were both just dying to get control of bootlegging, the bootlegging trade. They wanted to bring in illegal alcohol. They wanted to distribute it. Both of them wanted to be the head of this trade. Al Capone was doing great. He was reaching the finish line faster than Moran, and then, bam, he steals his whiskey. It's not a coincidence. I think, in my honest opinion, and the opinion of about 40 million other people, Capone definitely put this hit out on Moran. And did it backfire? Maybe. However, he eliminated his bookkeeper, his second-in-command, and two of his enforcers. So I think... This was probably a really successful successful strike for Capone. Although this case is so famous and Capone himself is so famous, the actual four people in Capone's gang who committed this crime were never identified. Other than the witnesses who said they saw two men being escorted out of the building by two police officers, they didn't really get a read on these guys at all. They had absolutely nothing. Iconic. Let me know what you guys think of this case. Yes, it's a bit shorter this year, even though I love going all out for Valentine's Day. But this case is just, God, it, it's in the back of my mind constantly. Because I just love stuff like this. Let me know what you guys thought, and I'll see you guys soon. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm <laughs> sorry.